Yo, this is official Shawmer International Film Festival spoiler alert. We're going to spoil the movie. We're going to talk about and probably some other ones. So uh, be warned. This week on Sean Murray's International Film Festival, the spice must flow as my guests Dan Rice and Gerald Alberino join me to talk about Denis Villeneuve's new adaptation of Frank Herbert's sci-fi classic, Dune. Let's do it. Action! Two take, Jake. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Sean Murray's International Film Festival for another week. I am your host, Sean Murray, international heartthrob, art thief. The Diamond mm-hmm. Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show is the Capitator himself. Um, I'm here with two great guests, uh, returning guests, uh, Dan Rice and Jero Alberino are here to talk about. Uh, and I usually don't say this up top, but an excellent movie and um, adaptation of one of my favorite books, one of the best books ever, uh, Dune, uh, which is a classic. Uh, gentlemen, great to see you. Great to be here. Yeah, Sean, thanks for having me on. You made the right call. You would be hard-pressed to find anyone who knows more about Frank Sherbert's doom than Dan Rice, <laughs> let me tell you. Frank Sherbert's doom, 64. Yeah, and I am also a Dennis Villanueva's uh, biggest fan here, so uh, I'm really excited to review his works. So <clears throat> I got into Dune. I think I – I mean, I, I'd heard about Dune, like, just as a reader um, – for years and years, but I always thought like they have like really cool uh, covers for Dune now, and I'm like, I, like you don't judge a book by a cover. But like the Dune covers that when I was growing up were just awful and like completely uninteresting. So I'd heard always that it was like a great book, but I just like it just like this looks boring. Like the cover looked so boring that I never wanted to read. Like like the one the most famous cover, the most popular cover when I was uh, uh, growing up was like it was just a black book, and then it was like a small like rectangle in the middle of the cover that was um just a picture of the desert and like i think you can see a worm in the background like it's just like the most uninteresting cover ever so it took me for i didn't read it until like 2015 but uh i know you both have read it when did you first come across dune so we get it established like alphabetical order dan you're gonna respond first you know you come first in the in the alphabet and then i'll come next so perfect alphabetical order let's do it from here on Sure, we can do that yeah, um, we should we should do it by our uh, spice level, I think. Uh, Which again, I'm oh, not I know you're spiced up. Yeah, yeah. you're. Sp- <laughs> I'm spice intolerant. Spice the fuck up. <laughs> I talked to my guy. You know, my guy who can get like anything, mm. and uh, he got the legit. St- I told him I need some of that red powder that takes you places, and he fucking delivered. Man, I am seeing some things. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know what you mean. That kind of. No, I, I read Dune. Hell yeah. <laughs> you snort a couple micrograms of that shit. <laughs> I, I read Dean probably like a little bit after high school, I think. It was recommended to me by a hardcore nerd friend. And I read, I think I haven't read all of them. I think I read like three of them before I kind of jumped ship. But mm-hmm. the first one is stellar. I, I, I absolutely loved it. And yeah, I, I've seen the david lynch one like half a time i don't know i don't know if i've ever actually sat and watched the entire movie uh start to finish but what a goddamn train wreck yeah it's uh it's not we're gonna get into that more but that, Which again, yeah. and, and nothing nothing against david lynch i don't think it was his fault i think if anything it was dino de, de Laurentiis's uh fault that guy was a fucking psychopath but uh nevertheless that movie stinks uh, oh, uh, the sleeper has awoken. But, uh, <laughs> just in case anyone, you know. sleep. Um, uh, yeah. My uh, my first interaction with Dune is my dad's a huge uh, Frank Herbert fan, uh, and actually my grandfather uh, is as well. And I just remember them, like kids in the early two thousands, just trading like the. What's the what's Frank Herbert's son name? The the Kevin Anderson like the 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 Dune like sequels basically yeah, yeah, after yeah. Chapter. What is his been. name? Uh, it's like 
Chapter House? Yeah, it's like Chapter House onwards. Jason Herbert or something. Yeah, yeah, whatever his son who just like totally took all the anything that if there was any philosophical depth or if there was any sort of like relationship to world um to world views, they were absolutely removed just for like straight sci-fi. Like, oh, do yeah. you want to know how an axolotl tank works? <laughs> it, it, Kevin Anderson <laughs> will tell you how it works, but I uh, read the synopsis of that shit and i don't think i missed anything by not reading them. yeah it's like <laughs> oh man wow what i really want to do is get really deep into another science fiction world i think the thing that dune offers better than anything else is it's a philosophical treatise um close to nietzsche's um what is that called the supermensch um ubermensch, ubermensch. there yeah. you go thank you and just like a lot of those type of so anyways my first experience with it was my dad loving the books always my dad had a really nice library as a kid and speaking of the covers, I always remember God Emperor Dune, which mm-hmm. is the fourth one. Cause I was like, why is there an Egyptian lady hooded? And is that like I just couldn't? <laughs> uh, my tiny twelve, like you know, twelve year old brain couldn't understand what I was looking at. Is uh, that the one where he turns into a giant sex worm? That's <laughs> exactly what happens. So I'm gonna be candid. I have only read the first Dune, but I know what happens throughout the rest of the series. Um, and it, same. It, it's just really awesome, and I've been waiting basically for this movie to come so I can. I know that the distance between part one and part two is going to be long enough for me to finish the book, so I'm going to go back in. I just uh, reread Dune. But, anyways, when I was uh, about 15 or 16, I stumbled on David Lynch's Dune. And I was like, this, David Lynch, my dad's favorite book, this can't go po- possibly go wrong. Famous last words. Um, it was trash, <laughs> but it, it did serve, I will be honest, I don't think my brain at 16 years, I read Dune right after that, I, I saw the movie, and I don't think my brain would have been able to keep track of the pronouns um, and the proper nouns, and I wouldn't have been able to keep, it at least gave me some sort of reference point to understand what was going on. Um, so I, I feel like it served some That's sort of purpose. You know, like I, I, it obviously is not at all accurate or has any sort of, uh, but it, it's got the, the, you know, the proper nouns correct. It's got, you know, Arrakis and, you know, Paul Atreides and the Baron and all that good stuff. So I think it helped me guide the book. And then I read the book and I was like, this is the best science fiction yeah. book I've ever read. And for some reason, it I is, think it is dense. It's, it, it, it's, I just reread it uh, this week, and I just couldn't believe, though, how fr- each there's there's not a wasted word. It's like each one goes to the next set. I, I went 120 pages in on, uh, I mean, in two hours. I, I couldn't believe it. It I, really flows. The thing about that book is I always say to people, um, if you could get past the first 75 pages, you will love this book because that is when it's all like... Benny Gesserit and like all like all the like new terminology that you like it they do like one thing I will say about Dune the the book is they do not really try to hold your hand on any of this sh- like you just jump into this world and it's like a bunch of terminology right. that is very di- like because like it's very um uh based in like um. Arabic language, like uh, a lot of, so it's like they're not even like words that you're kind of familiar with that are just like you know, like a lot of science fiction now is just like like a lightsaber, right? It's like okay, it's light and it's a saber, like it's very easy to to grasp. A lot of this shit is like like I don't even know what this is like uh, the real world, um, like like what an equivalent, like what, it's, be, what it's based on. Yeah, so it's like it's very yeah. difficult. It's very. Um, it's one of those books where you, you have to trust that it's going to make sense to you yes. by the end of it because it will not fucking make sense at first. And like, there's a lot of information you have to absorb over time. Some people don't do well with stuff like that, but you, you got to just have that trust and you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I, th- I think I feel like Dune is one of the books where if I hadn't heard that it was great before I'd read it, I probably would never have finished it because of no how way. like like uh insular it is and how difficult like like i mean those first hundred pages is just like what is like and it's like it is good story well, they being jump told. right into it they jump right yeah, into the like, gamjabar like it's like six pages in it's like yeah. oh sh-. like they're in order for you to understand what a gamjabar is you need to understand so much of this world and it's like they're six pages in there's no way he, they, like you said he's not holding a hand he's just dropping it and i not to segue to the movie too early but i will say that first the masterpiece of this movie is that first 70 pages is done in the first four minutes. I don't know how they summed up the Dune universe and basically gave you the landscape of what's going on, but I paused it at four minutes and was like, I am so glad I did not explain this to the person I was watching with and let the movie explain it to you because they <laughs> totally. did they did, a, I, they, they did such a great job of synthesizing this down to something that was understandable. Well, I, I was trying to watch it with the mindset of someone who hadn't read the book and if Same. it uh, would hold up. And I, I think it does. I think maybe it's the kind of movie where you're like, 
I kind of got to watch that again. Like there's some things I'm unclear on, but I think the it, if you didn't read it the gives book, you everything you need. The ending is the only part that if I read the book, if I didn't read the book, I would be wondering why did they leave the why are they ending this here right now? I wouldn't understand that. But other than that, I mean, you got to let got to give the 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 artist some some yeah, I mean, benefit of the doubt. That is literally <laughs> the only like and I, well, we can just talk about the movie. Like, you know, there's no sense of like holding it off on it. That's the only my issue only issue with the movie is that it's not complete. It's not a full movie. <laughs> you it, can't judge it. I was it pretty terms. bummed out when it said part one. Yeah. I did not know that going in. And like, oh. it's, it's it's not a it's not the fault of anyone, but the fact that this is this this book cannot be one movie. I mean, David Lynch is. Maybe doing, that's why David Lynch's Dune sucks exactly. so fucking much. You tried to tell that whole story. It's in impossible less than three to hours, tell. I don't think you can. It's yeah. It's 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 too dense. There's too much. Like you'd have to you'd have to cut out so much or like um like remove a lot of the the depth of a lot of it to get to it it's like it, it just doesn't it won't it won't it won't if make, you remove won't make the desert from dune which is what lynch's dune did you remove dune you remove and i'm not just talking about arrakis i'm talking about the effect that it had on the family of Trades. like the lady jessica's different paul is different Aaliyah's different Leto's seconds you know everyone is is transformed by that experience and if you do not capture that perfectly and that's why i'm so excited that they didn't make this a two-part because i know they're about to give one of the hardest things to translate from literature to book i mean to movie is about to happen in part two and i can't wait to see what they do how they handle it but what lynch did was they completely skipped over basically paul earning becoming the the kizwatch kizatch hatterack which by yeah. the way guys i'm gonna say this right now i am so bad with proper nouns it is <laughs> ridiculous so anytime, i'm gonna be mispronouncing the shit it is so bad i mean <laughs> even if you were good with proper nouns this book specifically is just like these words again it's like this there there is no like similar word in like american english so it's like it's very like there is no like you'll never say a word like Quizat's Hatterack ever again, except when you were refer referencing. referencing What's well, I'm movie. glad for this movie yeah, unless though. Unless you're in a spice coma and becoming <laughs> one with the universe, you're very unlikely to use that word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I would say that's the benefit of this movie. And I know too, some listeners are currently in a spice coma, and they're they're yelling at their uh, podcasts right and now. Hey, good like, on why you. Yeah, yeah. Can we all they, they've already seen the whole universe from our perspective, so they get it. You know? <laughs> well, we, we we all agree that Frank Herbert did have a spice dream, and everything Dune is not a fictitious tale. It is really just yeah, our future is, history that no, is just waiting to unfold. <laughs> yeah, it just we just, it just hasn't happened. Yet. It just hasn't happened. Um, but I'll just say that I'm like Har for me. I always thought it was Harkonnen. Like and then it's Tarkinen. It's I know that's a small enunciation difference, well, but it's like, like I thought it was hard cone and cone. like Frank Sherbert? Mm. It's like how I always I, when I <laughs> when I read Harry Potter, I always thought it was Hermione or Hermione one, and I was like, oh, it's Hermione. I would never have guessed. So it's like yeah, like, like when you're when it's in print, like you you'd never know. Like I was I was fascinated to like uh even like uh Benny Gesserit. He was like I was just like uh I was, I was like being Gesserit. Yeah, I, I, I was funny that you said that the Hermione one. I was trying to remember what it was for me because I know there was one in Harry Potter. It was gnome. I kept saying because in, in the second book, I remember they started the Weasleys and like they're just like pulling gnomes out of the lawn or something yeah. like that. And I just kept saying gnome, and I was like talking to my dad about it. He's like, "What's a gnome?" Yeah, I, he's like, "I want to, I want to." He's like, "I want to engage with you on this, but I don't know what this." I think you read the wrong book. For me, son. it was a uh, Roan Weasley. <laughs> I, I thought it was Road Weasley, which is such a better name than Ron. Yeah, I saw the movie. It also makes more sense because, like, isn't Roan like uh, like a name in in the UK? Like, Roan is more of a um, like a old Irish name. Yeah, a bit. Um, a bit. I know there's a kid on Barstool that's named Roan, so that's why I'm agreeing with you. I know it exists. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's 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 very dense and it's very. Uh, I don't even want to say esoteric, but it's like I, 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 I can't imagine like a, a, a casual viewer who hasn't read the book is not familiar with it, like being thrilled at this ending. That's the only thing that makes me upset about it is that like like as a, as a as a reader, I'm I'm like I'm just like they need to green light part two right now. I, I can't believe they haven't. I'm That's having the, anxiety about it. Same. Like Javier Bardem is getting a little long in the tooth. What if something happens? Like, yeah, reading my mind. That's it's exactly so crazy my... too. Because it's like I want all of these actors quarantining, even Jason Momoa, in case they. Well, do, he's uh, stuck like, in Idaho. He gets resurrected like thousand times in the series, so he better yeah. stay youth, <laughs> eternally youthful. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be so interesting to see him as a mentot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 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 a, it's a, it's an odd thing to make it. Uh, like you know, one of the things they like um, the Lord of the Rings series famously shot all those movies like at the same time, basically like back to back to back. Um, uh, they kind of just call on their shot. Yeah, like, they make... thought Ian McKellen was gonna die, <laughs> which is so he's funny. Still around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Twenty years later, they got the wrong. Who who was the uh, who was Saruman? Uh, Christopher. Christopher Lee. Lee. Yeah, they got the wrong. They picked the wrong wizard to die. Um. Yeah. It's it's it's. it's I just feel like they oh, they should have uh, yeah. they should have they should have shot it back to back because absolutely. I mean absolutely I almost I thought until I had read that they didn't that they shot it back to back because um they have Javier Bardem and Zendaya like uh in the movie for seven like Four they minutes, say yeah. they say Zendaya's in the movies for seven minutes total and that's with like flashback scenes you know what wow. I mean like like it's crazy. Yeah, and I, I know, you know she's looked sixteen for like a decade now, uh, but like that—that's not gonna last. Like, get <laughs> yeah, those yeah. cameras, get those cameras rolling. <laughs> well, that's the the beautiful thing about um the beautiful thing about this series, and I think if they do adaptate, the, so I think in my opinion, the world legitimately needs us to get to God Emperor, and it needs to be a four part series, and it's it's re- I'm really I really think it could work. Because, but we're you not going to see. You just want to see that sex worm. I just yeah, yeah. I need to see that. Don't we all, bro? Imagine CGI worm. back in, in there. It's going to be like real GI um, at that point. Um, but I think that <laughs> it's going to work because real GI. <laughs> real GI. <laughs> they love. Uh, I didn't like to go go by without the commentator on. <laughs> <laughs> the because uh, Paul is going to be older, so like the next, so they can do the Dune in part one and part two, and it'd be okay. It'd be relative because there's going to be a two year. There's a two year gap basically before. Um, Paul rises up and becomes Muad'Dib, and then um, so basically, if they keep doing this right now and pacing this correctly, eventually Kyle MacLachlan will be in the original <laughs> Dune. Will be uh, he'll be finally be the proper age to play Paul in this movie. That would be sick. <laughs> that would be so because Paul becomes such a badass. And I do want to say one little thing because I know I'm going to forget it. One of the coolest parts of this movie, and where I I knew I was in the hand of someone who has mastered this material. Um, is when he keep when they're having the visions in the tent. Uh, Paul's having the visions in the tent, and he's like, "I keep seeing them praise my dad. I keep seeing the skull of my dad," and he doesn't realize it's his son. Yeah, that they're praising. Yeah. it's his son that is the is the the. And so I I love that they put that in there because it just shows to me it it, it is reinforcing all three people: Paul, Leto, and Leto the second, and while also leading the reader. When you read Dune, that's what you interpret it to be. Oh, like oh, the Paul is gonna rise, and then they're just gonna. It's a, a lot of the like the the beginning chapters is like Arulian, like talking about the father a lot. You know how yeah. important Leto was in the in the process. Long story short, though, I just felt like those one little sentences that really set the universe off for me, that really like galvanized the entire philosophy that's gonna go into the fourth book. They're laying the groundwork now, and I well, love it. I love it. Somebody said on on Twitter that they think uh, <laughs> this movie is successful and can be successful because the groundwork was laid for people to accept this type of uh, material by Game of Thrones. And I think that's a great point. Like this is way more um, heady and uh, uh, out there. Oh, it's Lindsay. Um, than uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, but I think, like, like if you did this pre-Game of Thrones, people were not prepared for this type, like, at, in mass. I mean, Lord of the Rings I don't think it would have gotten made if Game of Thrones didn't break yeah, the pop there's culture. Yeah, no there's no way. There's no way. Like, it's, used it's to this too... type of storytelling. Yeah. And yeah. I think people realize in the feudal type of storytelling, like, hey, there's ho- there's whole, and that's what you guys mean by this, right? It's like, hey, we have to get into the idea of feudal lords, like, ruling the world and, like, how... Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, and, and a generally complex, like, royal family type Sabotage, yeah, yeah, all yeah. that. I, see to me, I think the the stro- I think I, I'm interested to hear your guys' opinion. Did this need to be a movie? Does Dune need to be a movie, or does it need? Can it be a TV series? Because in my opinion, there's something inherent in the TV show medium that it would not translate. It see, couldn't I think lengthwise it could benefit from being a series, but I think the first, like Dune, the book. It should be Doom Part One, Doom Part Two, and then if they want to spin off and make a series out of it after the groundwork is laid, mm. I think I could see a series of like God Emperor. Doom, all the, the, the there expanded... was a Children of Dune like miniseries. Yeah, wasn't right? that on Sci-Fi or sci-fi, something? Sci-Fi, yeah. I think so. 
Um, uh, it's better than David Lynch's movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see. I just I just doodled on a piece of paper, and it already is better than David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see um, expanding the universe into a series, but I think you need the movie as the groundwork, and also as the groundwork for the series. And also, I think I wouldn't have wanted to see this to be exposed to this on TV, like this, like. Um, you, I first saw it in theaters. I know you, uh, you guys probably both watched it at home. Um, but like the scale of this yes, thing, yes, Sean, <laughs> we're less than thank you. Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> your no, infinite it's... movie ticket money. <laughs> no, I went to see it in theaters and then I watched it again uh, this morning in preparation for the podcast at home. And like watching it at home reinforced how great it is on the big, like, dude, like the, the scale of this movie, and you, and you can witness it at home but like when you see it on a big screen it's like like that's one of the things that the, the expertise of of denis is like like the size of these ships and like the the scale and re relative to the size of the, the 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 landscape and the humans that are like interacting with them is so like grand and like magisterial and you don't get that you won't get that the same way at home e even on the biggest possible screen at home it's just like uh the immersion of it i think like that's one of the successful uh, parts of this movie is that it, like, I felt like I was on Arrakis. Like, it, it totally immerses you in uh, this world. I, I watched it on my big, like, 4K TV with my headphones on, so I was, like, more focused in, and I was, like, spiced the fuck up. Oh. And it was, it was pretty close to a theater experience, I feel like. I, I did I, I did have I, I do have a relatively large uh, screen myself, but I did I did write down midway through like I need to see this in its full cinematic capacity. But to kind of bring yeah, it back I, to, I that, intend to the I think there's something magical about movies, and if you look at any major Ooh, speak on that. <laughs> let me be the first person to let me be the first person to illuminate the fact that this, this That's an interesting movie. theory. <laughs> I want to coin a term here: movie magic. <laughs> movie magic. Um, <laughs> but to bring that to an actual, I think new thought is: no magical series has lived on TV. Harry Potter, magic. Lord of the Rings, magic. Star Wars, The Mandalorian is not Jedi. You know what I'm saying? Is, but and when it does, it's it's dosed. But magic. I can't think of any sh large property that really is bent on magic or some sort Charmed. of degree of what was it what's charmed on the wb what, what are you talking about <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, yeah. That, that is uh yeah, that is definitely saying, technically magic it's dune star wars the, the wb's charmed mm. yeah the, the big, big three. three yeah the big yeah. three <laughs> um and i just feel like it's it's something that needs to be it, it lends itself to the movies it lends itself to the grandeur to the the epic of it you know um, well it lends itself to the suspension of disbelief like i mean like i think the the value of movie theaters is that you're going to this place and you, it's not your house it's not anywhere else you're being immersed in it's the darkest possible room the biggest possible screen the best possible sound in you know in you know i mean there's a lot of terrible uh, uh pro projection and and sound mixing at uh different theaters but like in an ideal setting, you had, you you're like you're literally entering a space to watch this movie rather than it coming to you. So like you're going to this world, you know what I mean? Like it's it's being presented. That's why, like it, 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 especially in in the time of COVID, there it, there is a certain amount of annoying uh, focus on like you have to see this in the theater. But like they intend for <laughs> you to see it in the theater. That's why they say that. Like I mean, I've seen a lot of movies for the first time at home, uh, uh, you know, uh, on HBO or or renting it or even just like on on tv and it, it's still good but watching a movie like I, the first time i saw the shining was at home and then i had a friend uh who used to work at a movie theater and he took us and we just he like it was six of us and we watched the shining in imax and it was like it was so much better it's just like completely it, different yeah it's, i had the same experience with aliens oh i seen aliens like 10 times and thought i knew it in and out and then i saw it in theaters and it was completely different experience well, I think I have a, a little business proposition for you guys, but we're gonna have to talk about that off mic. We're, we're talking billion dollar Bezos sort of uh, money here. So you I want to get into the spice trade? I, right. <laughs> bleep that out! Bleep that oh, out! Yeah, let, let, don't let people know we're melanging. Yeah, uh, Nikki Melange is gonna be our uh, is gonna be our mascot. Nikki Melange, Nikki I'm Melange. into that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought that the 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 big knock. Oh, the other thing I did dislike about this movie actually was the the score when they are doing i thought it was to to connote the the heat of the desert because when they're doing when his hands in the box and he, he has the flashes and you hear that like high pitch middle eastern music singing yeah 
I really didn't like that. Um, I really thought that took me away. It took, it was distracting. And I think later I thought he was setting that as like a tone of like, okay, so when you're in the desert, you're going to feel hot when we play this music a lot. It was actually more about him. I think that, um, that sting, that musical sting was actually more to, uh, keep the audience into thinking he's the kids, uh, kids, which he's whatever the KW, <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever the initials are. But I think that's what I realized. Like they started playing that more when he was like elevating and stuff like that, and less about the desert, less about Arrakis. And I just felt like that was not tonally accurate. There was it was a little distracting. I liked the the melodic minor of it all. I liked the key that they were in, but the singing of it was a little bit just too much. I, that did take me the, away from it. The but, one part that took me, I didn't really have a problem with that. There was one part that kind of took me out of it. I, I I'm going to say this is the most impressive movie I've seen in like ten years. Mm-hmm. The, like it's just aesthetically sonically like it's 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 like this movie was made in a universe where we didn't get like hung up on cgi for 20 years and everything didn't suck mm-hmm. and like this is the way <laughs> movies would have evolved if we didn't do that the fucking bug copters that they actually like built clearly like mm-hmm. amazing the one moment that really ruined it for me was when jason momoa as uh duncan idaho is talking about the fremen and he goes uh they fight like demons. And then he takes a monster out of your drink and he pounds it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he crushes it on his skull. And that's the one where it's like, that's not. That's yeah. well, I had a similar issue too. Like there was a scene uh, when, um, when Paul and his mom and Jessica let, crash land in the desert and uh, they were like, oh, there's no still suits in here. He's like, but there is a Mountain Dew. And I was like, that's a little odd. Like, that, it's like, <laughs> I just, it's, it's kind of, what is this? the immersion. I don't know. I, I have to go in now. I'm going to, I'm going to use Gatorade as mine. You know, I feel so thirsty. I feel this desert. I, if only I could have something that could quench my thirst. What yeah. And then there? he starts, he starts fucking like sweating purple sweat. A, a, a giant, yeah. a giant sandworm fucking comes out and like throws up yeah, a bottle of Gatorade. Of fucking... Yeah, and Paul looks directly in the camera and says, "Is it in you?" <laughs> Just do it. No, I, yeah, your point about um this the impressive filmmaking. Um, I think a lot of times that is something that's kind of um over discussed when they're talking about like, like it's like, well, he it, it's so well made, and it's like like things are a lot of things are well made, but. I think the production design one has to be shouted out immensely for this, but also the the craft of this movie is so strong, and that it like sometimes something's well made, but like who cares if it's if if the the, the text is not good, if the you know what I mean the, the themes are not good, like it's all I think Denis is so good at like at marrying those two things, like um the only, the the other movie that made me give gave me this feeling recently um in the last like ten years was Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which another like incredible movie to see in the theaters like the sound that's one of the things i will say about seeing this in theaters is the sound mixing like the way they play with the levels in the theater versus at home like you 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 don't have to be like riding the dial at home to like really nail how they like like because like there's very quiet moments and there's very loud moments and the way they do it like the mix it for for the theaters is just perfect uh to like like you said i don't know the immersion is, is different like but didn't even like he, he He's like it's like he's been working towards this uh for so long like um like arrival a lot of the, yeah arrival then... like just like some of the shots just remind me so much of arrival like arrival sh- was excellent yeah like the, mm. the 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 speaking to the worm the spaceships lifting up off the ground yep even like yeah even like some of the production design um um the sound design in like in terms of like yeah, how even, the worm sound versus how um the heptapod sound in arrival like there's, there's a lot of similarities even the shit that is cgi like like i i'm not the world's biggest marvel fan i've only seen all those movies like two or three times which is low <laughs> in my circle of friends yeah, that's for sure <laughs> but now i'm especially not a marvel fan after seeing this movie like Hold this movie up to any fucking Marvel movie, and it's dog shit. Like that's, that's how I felt about Star uh, Wars. I was like, this but, movie. But even the shit. <laughs> Wait, what, what? Like I, this movie, I was like, I throw away Star. If I liked Star Wars at all, if I had any remaining love for Star Wars, this movie wiped <laughs> it away. It completely Dude, sucked the, away my love for. Star I Wars. think the shit that is computer generated and CGI, like the, yeah, uh, like when that ship comes to take the spice harvester. And it's uh, all CGI on shit. There's mm-hmm. something about he manages to convey the weight of the thing. Yes. And like yes. when the sand moves, like mm. you feel it. It doesn't feel like this artificial. That's like weight is the thing they always fuck up with CGI. Like the way elements affect the world around them. 
they always fuck up and it takes you out of it. Yeah, it I, all feels tactile. I'm really, and I'm really sensitive to that shit. And it didn't bother me in this movie at all. I was saying to you, um, uh, recently, I was yeah, like, this, like there's, they say like there's over two thousand VFX shots in this movie, but like even the stuff that you know has to be VFX doesn't feel like VFX. Yeah, and you compare that very to something like, yeah, even the fucking worm kind of looked real. That's, that's, what, that's what I was gonna the say. Worm looked incredible. <laughs> like it's it's which is a funny thing to say about a movie and adults. The worm looked incredible, <laughs> but um, it did. Like it looked it looked very um, like you've. Sometimes you watch movies and you are very aware that these are actors interacting with something that isn't there, and you never feel that with this movie. Like it always feels like there is a giant ship in front of them, there is a giant worm in front of them, there is a laser cutting through that door, and they're or I mean, even when they're in the palace, like it's like oh, there this is a gigantic concrete slash wooden structure that is you know infinitely long, or even Kind's office, like when they go there and like um, Duncan goes and sacrifices himself. That was the moment where I was like, I think everything in this office is real. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, she moves the wall and, like, like a slab comes out. I'm like, I think everything's real. It and feels if it's very not, practical, yeah. Yeah, when, Dun when Duncan, like, he seals the door and he's like, all right, let me have one more last keto meal. Have like, <laughs> yeah. some hard-boiled eggs and some almonds and uh, <laughs> crushes another Red Bull. And he's like, let's fight like demons. Yeah, you can tell they weren't CGI <laughs> boiled eggs. Yeah. Like, you could tell that, like... They, they they actually boiled some eggs. They brought I can the feel set. the salt. Yeah, I don't know why Jason Momoa so much. I don't have a problem with him. Just... <laughs> He's not the Rock, so I would. I would... <laughs> I'll take him. I'm so glad they didn't cast the Rock as uh, Duncan Idaho. I'm, oh, not, I'm so like out on the Rock, so and dumb. I've never really been in on the Rock. But like like there is like Hollywood. And like Hollywood media loves the Rock, and I don't understand it. Like he's not good. It's just well, not. He's no, not he's that good. He's very large, but he smiles. Yes. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, what it is. We don't often get that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it, it is just crazy. It's a rare combination. <laughs> it is just crazy to me that they're like, know what we need? We need more rock. Let's do the young rock, in which we're gonna feature none of the rock in the in this show, but we're gonna just basically use his yeah, image like, no and one likeness. Gives a fuck. Like, I don't care about like the, the rock when he was nineteen or whatever. And, and, and we're from Connecticut. Like, yeah, this actually yeah. Been, like good actually. Well, yeah, like, the thing about the rock is that it's like. Like the thing with the same with the rock is like the rock is so charming, but it's like, but he can't act. Like yeah. he's like he doesn't have to do. They don't give him anything to do. Like Batista blows the rock out of the water every time he's on. He's in he's in Blade Runner twenty forty nine for like three minutes, and it's one of the best scenes of the movie. He's excellent, and the rock has never even come close to anything like, like touching anything. Like he's what's his name in the book? Um, uh, what's the name of that character? Rabba. Is it Raba? What, yeah. Duncan Idaho? No, uh, uh, Batista's, character. Batista's character. Oh, oh sorry, yeah. And it's in the book, he is such, um, he's almost a goof. You know what I'm saying? He's not like, he, you can tell he's not. I actually, did, I didn't remember that character at all. <laughs> I felt like. Raban, Raban. They, they just, they just yeah, didn't Rabba, want Rabba, the, Rabba. Uh, the Baron, like. Moving, they didn't want to deal with him moving around so much. So I, I felt like they kind of put that character. Well, in place I'm really of him surprised Mank, Gary Oldman kept on his Mank outfit to uh, play uh, Baron Harkonnen in this movie. It was, <laughs> it was really, really cool to see him really uh, stay in character. Um, <laughs> um, the but the, with Raban, Gary Oldman's Winston Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I, I just thought that that was to Bautista's credit. Is like because Fade Rautha in the book is like obviously the evil person that's going to come and you know. He, you can see him as being the the evil force that's going to continue throughout the book, and Raban's kind of like the idiot, you know, you know, brick shit house. Yo, you're you're dumb as shit, ain't you? Yeah, uh, it's goose suit. Um, the goose they, they goose him. They goose him up. Um, anyways, yes, he's just in that I movie. Strung out in spice <laughs> and drunk. Way, I can't hear but in the morning, I'll be sober and you'll still be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> the um, what were you saying, Gerald, about? I, I was saying that Dave Bautista brought a realness to that character that like it's it's not just like oh Bautista's gonna do good when you write a good piece for him or write a good role for him like you know something that's like Blade Runner 2049 where it's like it's stoic and you can after watching the whole movie you understand the pain you know the, I, I yeah. feel like his character gets additional weight whereas with this uh, character it's not really a weighty character he's not really important and still he brings a gravitas to them a realness to him that I don't feel like he's fake I never am like oh Bautista is faking this right now. I'm like, Bautista wants to go eat every human being down there yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's, it, it, it never feels like stunt casting. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of times with yeah. somebody like Bautista yeah. or like The Rock or whatever early in his career, is like, okay, we'll get somebody like The Rock to do this. That'll be kind of fun. And it's like, or and John it, Cena. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's one of the things they used to do a lot of times, like in the period of time when they made like, 
like Lynch is doing. It was like they would do something like cast like a like a popular wrestler or something like in a role. It's like why would you put him in this movie? Like it doesn't fit the tone. This is supposed to be Sting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> when it should have been Bowie. Um, yeah, clearly. <laughs> no, Billy Idol. Um, right. So anyway, yeah, I, I I know like you and me were talking about this a little bit on Messenger before, but the um, for me, if I try to visualize. Any in the Marvel movies, there's like thousands of spaceships. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what a single one of them actually looks like because I don't care <laughs> because I know it's not registering in my brain because I know it's not there. Those fucking dragonfly copters, like that's all I can think about right now. <laughs> Thop, <laughs> you know you're a thought I mean? like, Yeah, they're yeah. very they're the production design is so memorable. The, the only Marvel spacecraft I can remember is the Milano, which is Chris Pratt's uh Spaceship. The only reason I can remember that is because it's purple. Oh, yeah, and, and I that's, mean, that's orange the one that gets blue. the most screen time and has the most aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, it, but yeah, it's, it's the only one that's like even has color. Like, I mean, because like, everyone else, yeah. show is just like a gunmetal gray or like you know, like just silver. And it's like this is this is boring. You know what I mean? Um, like and like these things are just as gunmetal gray and and drab in terms of color, but the 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 they, they look tactical. The architecture in a of them are exactly They're clearly real purposed actual helicopters. You know they had to build at least one because there's some shots where the, it's undeniably there. Yeah. Remember when the Herald comes in in the beginning? Like, just that scene where they're all standing there and you see the millions of our um, Atreides, like, army behind them. Yeah. At, at the very least for, like, the line of where all the nobles of the Atreides family is, minus, and then the, the down ramp for the ship and then the Herald and his party, all of that seemed real. Like, all of that yeah. was like, okay, I know most likely the million of people behind him is fake, yeah, and I know yeah. that the spaceship is probably <laughs> fake, but still, they just did every single thing they could to enhance the practicality. When, so when what when the focus was on the practical people, you were not distracted in the least. And it, it just felt like... So a, a big thing I think we should have probably talked about is the but, Butlerian Jihad, which is, I think, a thing they did not talk about really too much in this in this movie that they should have probably hit a little bit harder. There is no artificial as as advanced as they are technologically. They are there is no AI allowed. All humans. Yeah, have, they don't they don't talk about mentots, do they? And they and that was another good yeah, thing. Yeah, not at all. Because they never even used the word. They have them, but they didn't use the word mentat, and that was funny because I like withhold from telling my girl I didn't want to like talk through the whole movie, and I was like, they're going to explain this, and then they don't, and then they don't. <laughs> but also, Thufir is still is not seen yet, so you know Thufir is going to have to come in the second half. So maybe they're saving all of that for the second half. They have to have the second Kudos part right. on you for not mansplaining Mentos to your girlfriend watching this movie. <laughs> well, the, they, I kind of started talking a little bit too about my girlfriend, and she was watching a different movie at her computer. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, that's probably where all the uh, the advertisements were coming in from. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> where, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, headphone bleed. And I just uh, I was just so impressed about how much of a world they built, how real it felt. And it felt like legitimately, this is a historical, like as if they have traveled in the future and there was a Butlerian Jihad had actually happened. This would be the the perfect mix of technology and feudal society. You know, that it, it just seems so realistic. And speaking of realistic, I was really worried about Timothy Chalamet conveying the weight of Paul Atreides. Because, you know, obviously the young part, the first half of the book, not worried about that at all. But who he needs to become is going to need to be a leader. And there are certain moments, certain glimpse where I, I'm not an actor. I'm not a professional actor. I don't know what it is he did, but he stayed still enough and delivered the line without overacting. Yeah. That I was like, wow, this guy's making me. Timothy Chalamet, the actual human being, is making me a believer that he is someone I would follow. Yeah. Let alone, you know, so just all the little aspects of that. Just to, Well, it's like it's it's. It's understanding the character and understanding the book because the the reason why this movie this movie has seemed uh has been kind of deemed unadaptable or like un impossible to successfully adapt for years is because Dune is so very internal like it's very much what's happening in Paul Atreides' head like that's ninety five percent of the book it's like it's not really like yeah. most of it is taking place like what he's thinking it's in how, someone's head yeah or so yeah in someone's head it's in someone's um, head yeah. and yeah because you get Jessica too and the Baron and the Baron a lot yep, yeah exactly. but it's like. It's largely, yeah, well, yeah, it's in, inside the character's heads, and it all has to be expressed on his face because there is no um, narration. Like, you know, in the book, it's like, you know, there's the, the, the you know, you're telling the story on the page, so, like, you could say, and then Paul fought. You know what I mean? Like, you can't really do that. It all has to be expressed on his face without going too far to just be like, 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 
he has like he has had like a, a quizzical look on his face without like raising his eyebrow too much and like overselling it, like you said, like overacting. And I think he does an excellent job of that. And I think it really sells like how he's going to do a great job in the future, uh, in in part two, uh, during the, the the fight at the end, like when like the. The way he takes in the weight of having to kill this guy is so impressive because it's like that is like that might be my favorite scene in a movie. It's just like like all the elements at play, like Paul having to contend with like, okay, I can't save, I can't, I can beat this guy, but I don't want to kill him, but I have to kill him. Um, uh, Jessica like having to re- like express that to them, like like yeah, he's never killed a guy. Yeah, you know I mean like this is not. Yeah, I mean, and, and and him coming to the realization, and then like you could feel the sadness when he does kill him. You know, like when he's like, "I really didn't want to have to do this, dude." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's, and he's gonna have to do it a whole lot more at a level that is going to be yeah. genocide. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. The, he's that's his whole reluctance. And they did a brief glimpse. Play, of him. I, I love that uh, they play it so well with him. Like he's clearly besting this guy the whole time. He's the better fighter, mm-hmm. but the fight goes on for so long because he just. He doesn't want to cross that threshold of taking a life, which is like, which like is he, cool though. He has him the whole fight, and I think that's that's something too. Like I like was like kind of worried about was like yeah, like Paul doesn't seem like a badass enough. Like he in the end has to be the best fighter, the smartest person. He has to be the Ubermensch. He has to he has to rise to be the best. And uh, I think you, you nailed it. Like his fight choreography when even when he was just doing the dolls. Like remember before Gunnery comes in and he's like fighting with the three dolls. Yeah. I think that's Timothy Chalamet doing that. Like, oh, I for think sure, it's it, like it really to be him, and he he does an excellent job. And I think the choreography of the fight is so, is so good too. It's like it's very uh, they they shoot it very close and tight, and it kind of sells like the the intensity of something like that. Like it, the um, like it's like it, they don't turn it into like some kind of grand uh, spectacle. It's like this is a, an ugly thing happening in the desert for like kind of a dumb reason. You know what I mean? It's like it's but it it it, it has purpose. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and I think they do a great job of like, so you said, so dumb reason. I just, I just want to go into this a little bit. Can we, can we talk about Phantom Menace or no? <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll never talk okay, about okay, Phantom Menace again. But that is really what I meant though. Like with the, like this ruined Star Wars for me. Cause I felt like this was the subdued cerebral. This I un- is what it took to ruin Phantom Menace for you. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been done better. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Just like the all the things I've always wanted out of Star Wars, and I've always projected onto it, but never actually had any real uh, evidence on the screen that it's there. It's all like you know, I don't want to go fair. into Star go into what? Star Wars. Like I've always projected like the the extended universe onto the the movies that I would watch. And be like, you know, so you're saying like you don't need Star Wars anymore because there's something good now. There's something <laughs> where it's like it's <laughs> where it, it's all logical. Where it's like the Trade Federation, it's right. The Trade Federation blocking um uh the trade route to Naboo is essentially what will will change the oh, universe. What do you mean harmful stereotype? <laughs> <laughs> it it will change the universe, but also Emperor Shaddam giving over um <laughs> what the the emperor of dune um oh, okay. give, give, you were still in star wars mode yeah i was still in star wars just the idea that you're like it's palpatine dude <laughs> one one simple political move or transition of power not only will play itself out in in its own typical way but will will ripple throughout eternity and in dune you will see literally eternity happen well, you will the- see how the the one it all comes down to one thing if shaddam did not put atreides on Ar- arrakis none of this would have happened and i think to that like you you start to think oh you know the effect human action has on eternity I don't think I walked out of a, a Phantom Menace thinking that. I don't. I didn't walk out of Phantom Menace like I wonder what my actions, how my actions are going to affect the future, the political world of this. Well, that's the problem with with Star Wars. Ultimately, is that Star Wars succeeds in cool factor. Yeah. And like, um, like spectacle, like, like this. The thing is, like, the, the reason nothing has ever been able to topple Star Wars is because lightsabers are cool. Like that's ultimately what it is. Oh, light, <laughs> let's cool, be real. The force is and cool. And the force is cool. Yeah. You know what I mean, it was like, but like. Obviously, Star Wars is heavily, heavily influenced by Dune, uh, and George Lucas will admit it himself. But it's like the thing that Star Wars has never been able to um, achieve that Dune achieves is making the political machinations as interesting as the mystical, uh, mystical forces at play. Mm. You know what I mean? And like the like like there really is no true philosophy behind the Jedi. I mean, like, and like there is, but like it. 
like George Lucas does not it have changes a, movie to movie exactly like, iteration George to iteration Lucas, it changes the George George Lucas and the the Lucasfilm brain trust does not have a, as firm a grasp on what any of that stuff actually is and means from movie to movie as Herbert does in just doing the book like he knows what what a mentat is when, when, you read, when you read do and you're like oh this guy has read like every treatise on every war like this mm. guy has read every history book in the world and like, has been and in a bunch of different countries and he's putting his fictional story into that like format yeah mm. whereas when you see uh star mm. wars you say okay this guy has seen all the movies made by the guys who read all those things you know what i mean like he's getting <laughs> yeah, yeah. the condensed <laughs> version of it so it's never going to be as um depth uh, as full of depth and um like actual ideas like i mean george lucas has ideas for days but he doesn't really have the connective tissue because with, with dude it's like this guy is very smart with star wars it's like this guy thinks he is very smart yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's he read exactly the footnotes. it's like he read the yeah. footnotes you know what i mean it's like he never well it's it's a cool the coolest thing about dune is the superpower the most superest power you can get you know, there's a couple like, oh, we could fight different, and there's a couple little things like the weirding way and stuff like that. But the real superpower, if you go through the whole books, is the ability to tell the future. That is the only power. He he can't lift things up with his hands, and the power to see the future is the most powerful. If that was, I just love that he treats that like, oh, not everybody in the world can go and just see the future, or there's a whole tribe of people who can do this. It's only very very small glimpses, but the only person who ever actually masters it is going to be the most important person in the world. Whereas if one person was a force user in Star Wars, think about how powerful that person would be. But because every there's thousands, yeah. millions, there's a whole, you know, it it, it dilutes the, the significance of that training and that power and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just think that we're, we, we can keep saying it a million the, the, times. The voice feels a little bit like a, like a Jedi power. That's actually a really good point, though. That is, that is a really good movie, point. Which is cool. They like, they, they, the voice is like, it just gets them out of scrapes and stuff. It's mm -hmm. not like a huge plot point. I, I like the way they did it. I like the like the effect they used for that. I like the Sardaukar language too. I really liked that. Yeah. I really liked how they did that. I didn't feel like that was that wasn't too um, heavy handed. What this uh the Star Wars conversation is leading me to like a, a thought I kinda wanted to get across is that like I was talking to uh past guest Stash, past and future guest, Stash, and um What's Stash's last name? I I don't I know Nikita. so many Stashes. Stash Makita. Um, and Stash Anderson? Stash Miller. Um, the It's fascinating to think about like how there will be people who think of this as derivative of Star Wars rather than the other way around. Because you know what I mean? Like because this is Star Wars does not exist without Dune. Like again, by George Lucas's admission. But yeah, Dune plus Kurosawa equals Star Wars. Yeah, like basically. yeah, yeah. Dune plus Hidden Fortress, and that's how you get Star Wars. And then with, uh, and Flash, with Gordon. Flash Gordon or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> because Star Wars uh was one way more successful than uh Dune, but also came out first as a movie, more people are exposed to it. So like there even like are visual things, uh uh visual language in this movie that most people will recognize primarily from Star Wars. Like um, the first scene when you see Duncan Idaho uh, getting off his ship, he's talking to um, Paul underneath the ship. Like you see that famously from all the X-Wing shots in Star mm -hmm. Wars where like Luke's, you know, everyone's running around the uh, the hangar getting stuff ready for the battle or he just came <laughs> back from a battle and like they're tweaking stuff while talking to someone else. That is from Star Wars, but Star Wars exists because it's, it's, it's interesting to see I kind of wish I would have had a guest on who isn't familiar with Dune to have a conversation with them as a person who, like, because, like, I don't understand, like, I really don't, I would really love to get a, 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 a perspective of someone who didn't, has no idea what this is about and what they think of it, like, top to bottom. You know what I mean? Because, like, I think, like we were saying, the production design is excellent, the filmmaking is excellent, the performances are good. Like, Oscar Isaac is, is incredible. Like, uh, he's only he's not even in it for that long. Forgot about how good, how amazing his performance was. But, it needs to be noted. Yeah, but it's like, that aside, can you connect with it without... Because, the, ultimately, at, at this point in the book, you're, you're in, you're fully in. Uh, but you also have so much more like on the page that you can like you're connected with it. like you get a little bit more Duncan Idaho like he like technically in terms of like uh time spent in Paul's life it's the exact same as it is in um in the book but because 
those scenes just go on a little bit longer in the book. The scenes with Gurney Halleck go on a little bit longer in the mm-hmm. book. So it feels like you know them a little bit more. So when they die or you know they're not around anymore, you feel it a little bit more. I wonder if, if characters um, with uh, audience members who have don't have that uh, familiar with the book will feel the same thing. I think you lose some stuff. You lose some stuff with like the doctor who betrays them. You mm-hmm. get like way more of him in the book and how that's a huge deal for a doctor in that universe. Yeah, they don't they don't explain that he can't. Doctors are kind of like their own religion yeah. in that world. And they they're mentally trained to not hurt people no matter what. And I did say that was one thing I said to my girlfriend too. I was like they're kind of like under it's it's way more shocking in the book that a, a healer or whatever whatever his like religion is is able to do that like he literally mentally should not be yeah, that's, able that's to why do their it. plan is so dubious in the book because they find a way to do the impossible and actually get a doctor to betray people and it's, it's interesting though to think like as on like a, on a dune little fan fiction thing here it's like it's interesting to think like even if they didn't get dr ua to trade uh to be a traitor they were fucked like they had no way to to get the spice. They were had no infrastructure to get the spice harvested. You know they were not. They were doomed. Like they were from the beginning. So yeah, I mean their only hope. Hence the title, doomed. Hence the yeah, yeah. Frank Sherbert's Frank epic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean that's why I think I think I don't know if um, Duke Leto necessarily understood that they were going to be fucked, but I think he understood that like. The Fremen were the key. He to knows it all. it's a trap. Yeah, yeah. He, and he knows that the, the Fremen are their key to uh, to surviving on this planet or and thriving in the universe. Uh, but separate from that, just just surviving is the Fremen are key because they understand this planet. You know what I mean? Like if 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 Duncan Idaho, who's supposed to be like you know an incredible warrior, incredible um, kind of just like. Um, uh, na- like a he, he's able like to navigate like a CrossFit in- fucking yeah like, exactly. you know keto. you know you do get a, some characters get a little bit more in the movie than, you get, than they get in the books because you know there's that whole scene in the Dune movie where Duncan Idaho is explaining how kettlebells are better than dumbbells for some exercises and he uses on it as his kind of yeah. supplement that oh mm-hmm. I missed that part made mushroom and how it gives him both physical and mental stimulation and how he's been used like a He's been hunting his own elk meat. And how, like, you don't need the fucking vaccine if you're young, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Ivermectin, yeah, he's, he's a little bit more... <laughs> I, no, but, um... Duncan is supposed to be, like, um... As good as it gets, as far as, um... Like, a a, a military mind. Uh, him and Gurney, uh, yeah. rather. And, like, the fact that he can go into the desert and not even have seen any Fremen until they wanted him to... Wanted themselves to be seen. It lends them... Like, that's, I think... Is being expressed. Uh, yeah, they gets, play that well. Him, him being impressed with the Fremen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, like then that gets communicated to 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 Leto, and he's like, okay, like these people know this planet. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like beyond just like surf, like because like because like, and it makes them like the most hardened warriors in the universe. Cause yeah, they have to survive in this place. Absolutely. Yeah, because like, you think like I, I'm sure like uh, the Atreides, not just like uh, Paul and Jessica and Leto, but like the Atreides um, family as like a as a nation or whatever coming to this planet they, they probably think of the Fremen as just like they're survivors but they don't know anything they, they just like they, they they just happen to live on this planet so they know how to you know get a little bit squeeze a little bit more water out of a, a plant or whatever but like no these people like they run the planet essentially in conjunction with the sandworms well I think it's interesting because like the one character in the book that doesn't have like premonition uh, that is kind of a main character is Duke Leto and they like I love the little like historical like notes that Princess Aurelian starts off each chapter and one of them she says like it's hard to say for sure whether or not he had it or not but you would have to think that Duke Leto had some sort of prescience because it's pretty obvious he knows it's a trap. He pretty it's pretty obvious he knows what the trade off is. And yes, he thinks the Fremen are going to be the future. But I think what he really knows is this is going to be the platform for his son to become the leader. Like he, this is going to be the call. And I think he in, intuitively knows whether or not it's going to be him dying. You know what I'm saying? And breaking up. Uh, uh, it, it is. It's an insane gamble to be like, all right, let me take this huge risk on the off chance that I'm right. And there actually are millions of Fremen. And my son's and a messiah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which he doesn't know that, you know, he's Bene Gesserit trained. But, but that like way. you said, I think it's a more intuitive level with him. Like, and he I doesn't have. 
I think that's awesome. I think that I love that there's not like is not everything has to be like at that Benny Jesuit level. Like I feel like that's the that kind of like saturation that happens with Marvel where it's like, oh, Captain Marvel is the most powerful person, but also Silver Surfer with the Infinity Gauntlet is, and also Captain and Thanos is. And it's like you have this like power struggle where it's but like But also there's a multiverse and a time organization. So ultimately none of it so even yeah, matters. Nothing matters. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think they yeah. do so well of keeping the stakes high and you you know you know no, Paul. Hey guys, it's a it's a movie. It's also a very popular book. Most likely, the main character is going to make it to the end and achieve the goal, the impossible goal in the end. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. He becomes the emperor. So if <laughs> if you're if you know that and you're still hooked in on every step of the way, I it just I, I think we'll, the, the ultimate superpower in Dune is knowledge. That, like, that's what I think. That's that, what I was meaning earlier. Instead with like of the, like I have the biggest coolest laser that shoots out of my arm. No, exactly. It's like, I know the most shit, and you can't beat me because. And this that's is the all fast. And that's and that's strategy. why this again. This is why this is a level above something like Star Wars. And I, I love you know we all love Star Wars to whatever extent we've kind of uh, had our. Uh, better moments with it and lesser moments where we like we didn't like it as much but i think this is why something like this has this much last power why why it is a filmmaker who still wants to make it to this day is because there really is like fascinating ideas at play rather than um uh just like the cool factor and i think one of the things i want to talk about before we wrap up is like i think the fatal flaw of this series not necessarily and, uh, you know it seems to be performing well at the box office I think I think they will make the second one but I think the problem with something like Dune is like in today's media landscape they want this to be this generation Star Wars which it shouldn't be it should be it's it, like it, like it should be an art it should be Denis Villeneuve uh, making it rather than like Michael Bay or whatever and they would never make Michael Bay make it but you, you get my point is that I think there is a value to something like this existing. Obviously, it's got a big budget, and it's you know it's Warner Brothers. But I, I think, like Blade Runner, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, famously was a famous bomb. You know what I mean? But it was an excellent movie. And I think Amazing that's movie. I like, watched it once think, a year. I think there should be shit like that where it's like this is a loss leader for us. Like this mm. is like this is like like there's certain shit where it's like okay, this is gonna maybe win some Oscars and that's it. Like it shouldn't like the expectation that this is gonna be like Timothy Sha Timothy Chalamet will not become Luke Skywalker. You know what mm. I mean? Like. It's it's not intended to be that you know what I mean I mean ultimately that's not even what the character is supposed to represent like to a generation but also like like people will never connect with um uh Paul Atreides the way uh the way they connect with um Luke Skywalker because Star Lord yeah Star Lord <laughs> and Spider Man because it's not <laughs> intended to you know what I mean like, it's it like I think I I like. Which is why a lot of stuff goes to TV now, because like it doesn't have to have it doesn't have to end up being a two hundred million dollar uh, box office or a billion dollar box office to make um to be successful on TV. You could get you could be on HBO or something and only be getting like six hundred thousand like you know, one point one million viewers a week. But like the conversation around those shows, like Succession, is not bigger than like NCIS or some shit. But like, no one stops talking about Succession once it airs. You know what I mean? Every week. Like, and I think I I love that something like this could could exist. Um. But I wish you didn't have to have the pressure of like, like I know they want to hit a certain threshold box office wise before they green light number two. Like the Watchmen show. Yes, that's a great example. That's yeah, Watchmen, perfect. Yeah, the yeah. Watchmen TV show. It's so much better than the fucking movie. Yeah, because they, they're able to explore it in the way like you know, like really dig into it on TV and not have the expectations like like that would never work on a big screen. It would just never work. Like I mean, for well, a number of reasons, but like. It just wouldn't work in in, a, in theaters. Here in the in the end, when it, when you're comparing to Star Wars, less Lord of the Rings, or in a, in a Marvel, I think Star Wars and Marvel is probably the better comparison of why what Dune is doing right that they're doing wrong is that those movies have crutches they can lean on to know they're going to get a reaction. If you put up a lightsaber, whether you use it or not, if you just light it up, people are going to go ah. Well, and, they even... and if someone uses a superpower, they're going to go ah, and they're going to fight in the sky and they're going to have a huge battle. The thing about Dune is it's cerebral, and I think a lot of yeah, it's the, not mass entertainment. That's what my point was. And, yeah, and that's where I yeah, think it, it doesn't have this like. Well, at the end of the day, it's for kids mentality. Dune no. is not for kids. Yeah, it's absolutely it's not for kids. I hope, I hope that eventually kids are smart enough to understand it and and decide to value that over Star Wars well, or Marvel. Like, I hope they yeah. they they're will... not going to be like, hey, kids, ride the sex worm. <laughs> yeah, that's, not to cut your cut off your point, but like, that's the thing that's annoying about how media is produced these days is that it's like. They build in that excuse, like this is for kids. Like it, kids, kids 
can enjoy something like this if you present it to them as something like early enough where like it doesn't have to be all just like spite and i love spider-man i love star wars i love all that shit but like they their children have the capacity to grasp stuff like this um more than we give them credit for and then like if you don't build them like well this is for kids you don't have to say you don't have to make them a little bit shittier in order to justify it you could just make good shit and then hope people meet you at that level you know what i mean but like again when when you have to when there's a bottom line to make $1.5 billion or we don't make back our budget, you'll never be able to explore shit like that because all you're really trying to do is hit that threshold. You're never, you're not really trying to make a good movie. You're trying to make a, like, and that's the problem with, I mean, ultimately that's what the film industry is, is like, it's money. It's mm. not about, like, they don't, it's not about art. It's about making money. And like, I think we lose that, but I think, um, I just wish there were more attempts to like, that's just like make good shit. I think this is the. I think this is going to be the. I I genuinely hope that this is a changing of the tide. I think that after, regardless of the initial reception, uh, which I want to talk about a little bit. I know we're wrapping up. Um, I do hope that I do know that this movie is going to stand the test of time. It is a excellent adaptation on an excellent piece of literature, and it's an excellent piece of filmmaking with excellent acting. The set piece, the set design, it is a fantastic piece of work from its origins and foundations. Um, up to the actual execution of everything and I think it's going to stand the test of time and I can't wait for that 7 year old or that 10 year old or 13 year old who watched this movie without any understanding of what happened and just in, it just it consumed it and let that sit with them and see what art they are going to create when they're 25 or 30 um, I think it's going to have an amazing effect and I, I sorry to rant but I do want to say this because I need to say it fuck critics guys you need to not let, I've been waiting for this movie for two years. I literally got HBO Max for this movie. I was like, I need to make sure I'm seeing this movie immediately. Everyone, everyone who I would look at, we're all fans, right? So we, we're all hyping each other up. We're all getting excited. As the movie started to get shown and released and the first people got to see it. Oh, I didn't know it, it was only halfway. It was only, it's going to stop halfway through. And then eventually the critique became, oh, they accepted that. And then they started becoming, it's soulless, right? It's lifeless. There's, Denny Villeneuve is just not able to convey life or, um, I don't want to keep changing the word. It's soulless. They keep saying soulless. And I just can't help but hate people for, I can't help but be mad at a critic who knows what Dune is, who understands what a movie is. And understand that they are taking what the movie is supposed to be, <laughs> the foundation of what the movie is, and using it as a critique against it. Like James Bond being tired, like, oh, it looks like he's tired of playing James Bond. Because James Bond is tired of doing fucking missions and putting his life on the line. That's the point of his movie. The same yeah. thing with, <laughs> with Dune is the reason why this is soulless is because every because computers and our artificial intelligence no longer exist. Humans have to be hyper-analytical, hyper-logical. And everything is done by reason and reaction. Action and reaction. Everything about this, whether you love the Baron or hate him, you probably should hate him, or you like the Emperor or not, or you like Paul Atreides, everybody in this movie, everybody in this universe. I'm team Baron. Big Baron, a guy. I can see that. Is everyone's basing their stuff on logic. Baron and, boys. And lo normally, Baron logic boys. is not known to be an emotional thing, last time I checked. Therefore, that soullessness that they're talking about, that critique that they're putting on the art, is, is really a badge of... Of of certification that they did a great job well, on yeah, creating this Yeah, it's supposed to be severity yeah. to the because like everything like I mean this is this is misery for this family it for ninety five percent of the run. Yeah, I mean like it's like it's not supposed to be like, a joyous like thrill ride. Like, but again, I think it's how we consume entertainment. How like like I think a lot of the critics who have that complaint. I've, I've seen critics that I respect who who read the books and whatever and and, and who have that complaint. And I think ultimately their criticism, whether I do, why I don't agree with it, I think they're. They explain it well, but I think ultimately, I think a lot of the critics who who I don't respect who are saying that is because, again, we go into things expecting mass entertainment, and these are these things are being exactly um marketed as mass entertainment. Like there's a lot of the trailers for this, which and I understand like the I, next Star Wars, yeah, and it's like the, the, the next Star Wars, <laughs> and like 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 most of the action scenes in this movie are really just like um. Uh, visions that Paul's having they, they're not actually taking place in the movie but a, a lot of the trailer shit you see like you like you know the scene when um when Paul is envisioning himself basically as the Muad'Dib in the future and he's like got on the gold uh he's like one of the fremen they come about it saying he's doing all the cool shit and then, like the mask comes out and reveals mm. his Paul that's in the trailer that doesn't like technically that happens in this movie but it doesn't happen in this movie it doesn't happen yet yeah it's like it's not what this movie's about that's not like this movie is like dude <laughs> the action that does here we go again. 
This is the longest pause ever. It's poignant. Yeah, he's pausing for a uh, dramatic effect. <laughs> oh shit! I'm sorry. You gotta, you gotta Can start you from me? the top. Okay. I just say, like, I think the action that is in this movie and does take place in the timeline of the movie is incredible, and some of the choices they make are so fucking smart and interesting. Like having the lasers look shitty is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it makes it like, yeah, that is what like a weaponized laser would probably fucking look like. We and, have- and you're more drawn to the impact it has and the devastation it causes rather than like, look at this cool light show. But that's the thing. I, I think it, it's, it's like when you're making something with the intention for it to be the best possible artistic thing rather than the most like um, uh, visually exciting and spectacular thing. Yeah, like look at, look at how it's not like look at how advanced our software is it's like mm. we have a vision yeah <laughs> you know? so um yeah i don't know i just I, I i hope they make part two they haven't greenlit it yet uh, i hope it's just not like a box office thing. i hope they're just like waiting for whatever reason maybe there's like scheduling conflicts or something but i really hope that comes out and um yeah i just want to see more movies made like this with with these uh by these type of like high level filmmaking like really well done cinematography well well done direction well done production design and um i, I don't want it to have to be burdened by like the star wars the blockbuster uh um kind of industrial complex i wanted to just be like this can exist and that's why again why tv is so it, 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 but there's a trade-off for tv it's like you don't get this the same scale you don't get the same budgets you don't get the same whatever but there is like I like that TV exists as a space where writers can write and it's not, and, and even directors can write like this. And it's not so much about like, this has to be everything for everyone. And I think that's the ultimately the problem with a I lot of I think if shit. you took out the 10 big completely CGI shots where, the, where they're showing like the army carriers and you see the, the scale. Yeah. I think if you cut every one of those scenes out, the movie will, would still relatively be just as good, which is saying, uh, saying so much about mm-hmm. how, how well the story is in this. And if you take away all the quote unquote entertainment and the set pieces and stuff like that, think it's still good and um yeah i just more more of this please yeah uh yeah that's just my final thought is just <laughs> is, go see doom yeah that's a great review more of this please <laughs> yeah that should be the name that's of the episode the, <laughs> go see doom. that is the takeaway um gentlemen you got anything you want to plug uh i'm the plugless king i got nothing to plug uh hopefully album dropping out probably gonna be more like january 1st at this point cracking open a new year with a fucking album I love it. Right. why not um all right well keep reading the hard times and i just also want to announce that i will have an album drop thing on the same day as jiro's because i'm very competitive (laughs) and um you know i don't know music per se but i look forward to deep diving and catching up figuring it and, out i will um, say as an illiterate i enjoy you, your articles in the hard times more than any other thing i've i've read dan is <laughs> dan is the funniest writer illiterate <laughs> yeah it's like i don't know what these words oh, mean but shucks. i like the way you put them together i just Come know on. they're funny yeah yeah um, <laughs> plug it sean what, what do you got oh yeah you know uh nobody has shown podcast uh lowbrow showing on instagram highbrow showing on twitter uh yeah, it's the same shit every week. Um, that's it, gentlemen. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking about Doom. And go fucking see Sean Murray whenever he's uh, doing a show in your area. He is uh, an incredibly funny young man, an incredibly talented comic. This you, Wednesday, you, don't right? get, you don't get you can't say that about yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you got I, my I wanna, text. I wanna, yeah, I, <laughs> I told you to say yeah, that. I want to make sure you get your proper. It is worth the risk of COVID uh, to see Sean Murray perform comedy, even if you are um, uh, high risk. And the governor agrees. Uh, the, uh, rare, the rare anti-mask <laughs> mandate. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot to plug that. Yeah. October 27th uh, at the People Get Ready Books. I'm doing my show. 8 o'clock, $10. Um, last Wednesday of every month, we're going to be doing that show. And I got a lot more shows coming. So appreciate that, Dan. Appreciate you, be gentlemen. There. And uh, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> <Cut. Here's a laughs>